Recovery Radio, KMP3, Thousand Oaks. doing that anymore. I've had a a psychic change and I've had a really powerful experience as a result of the 12 steps. I'm not a spokesman for Alcoholics Anonymous. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm one ding ding, but I have a bell and I'm going to ring it. But if you disagree with everything that I'm saying, you're not alone. I am happy, joyous, and free. I'm not just paying that lip service. I'm not just saying that. I'm happy, joyous, and free. I am. My experience with the 12 Steps has been absolutely amazing, and the way they have been explained to me has made all the difference. All the difference. I'm not wrestling with Myself, we're not supposed to. It says it in our book. It says in our book that we are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. And uh, a lot of times when I share that I am happy, joyous, and free, I feel. I feel the energy in the room. I feel pushback. I feel uh, resistance to that idea. Like I'm missing something or I'm lying. I have dealt with that for 25 years. I'm used to it. But I understand why it happens. And I, and I, to, I think it is all comes down to the way that this problem and solution have been explained to me and my experience with applying the solution. And I'm going to get into that today. 
and I'm going to read something from Dr. Silkworth. Dr. William Duncan Silkworth wrote the doctor's opinion. It's his opinion in the doctor's opinion. We all love the book Alcoholics Anonymous, or some of us do. A lot of us say that we do. We respect it, respect the doctor's opinion. I certainly respect the doctor's opinion. That chapter makes a lot of sense to me. It's incredible. And the book was published in 1939. In 1947, Dr. Silkworth saw what was happening in the fellowship and wrote something essentially saying untreated alcoholism doesn't exist. And when you hear that, you'll have one or two reactions. You'll either be like, fuck yeah, finally hearing this, or, well. And then there's just a stack of mental stuff that your sponsor has told you, that you've heard in the fellowship, that you believe, the tradition is passed down, that people will support, back up, talk about over and over and over again. And maybe everyone except Dr. Silkworth is right. I'm just going to tell you what he said. And this is uh, directly related to the way that the problem and the solution were explained to me when I was almost three years sober in a way that set me free, changed everything, changed how hard I applied myself, changed how the solution worked in my life so much when I understood the problem. There's a lot of things in the big book that are really taken out of context. I can read now. I know that. That's not an opinion. And uh, really twisted around. I'm going to read this to you. This is by Dr. Silkworth, 1947. It's called Slips in Human Nature. Are you ready for this? Sit down for this. The mystery of slips is not so deep as it may appear. While it does seem odd that an alcoholic who has restored himself to a dignified place among his fellow men and continues dry for years should suddenly throw all his happiness overboard and find himself again in mortal peril of drowning in liquor, often the reason is simple. People are inclined to say there's something peculiar about alcoholics. They seem to be well, Yet at any moment, they may turn back to their old ways. You can never be sure. This is largely twaddle. Twaddle is a 40s word for horseshit. Dr. Silkworth were an unrefined man, such as myself. He would say, this is fucking bullshit. The alcoholic is a sick person. Under the technique of Alcoholics Anonymous, he gets well. That is to say, his disease is arrested. It's arrested. There is nothing unpredictable about him any more than there is anything weird about a person who has arrested diabetes. Let's get it clear once and for all that alcoholics are human beings. Then we can safeguard ourselves intelligently against most slips. In most professional and lay circles, there is a tendency to label everything that an alcoholic may do as alcoholic behavior. 
And the truth is, it is simple human nature. It is very wrong to consider any of the personality traits observed in liquor addicts as peculiar to the alcoholic. I'm going to read that sentence again. This is Dr. Silkworth. Take it or leave it. If you think this is all bullshit because you've heard so much to the contrary, that's okay. But this is Dr. Silkworth talking. This isn't me. This isn't my spin on something. This is Dr. Silkworth. Quote, It is very wrong to consider any of the personality traits observed in liquor addicts as peculiar to the alcoholic. End quote. But it goes on. Emotional and mental quirks are classified as symptoms of alcoholism merely because alcoholics have them. Yet those same quirks can be found among non-alcoholics, too. Actually, they are symptoms of mankind! Exclamation point. Of course, the alcoholic himself tends to think of himself as different, someone special, with unique tendencies and reactions. Most psychiatrists, doctors, and therapists carry the same idea to extremes in their analysis and treatment of alcoholics. Sometimes they make a complicated mystery of a condition which is found in all human beings, whether they drink whiskey or buttermilk. To be sure, alcoholism, like every other disease, does manifest itself in some unique ways. And it does have a number of baffling peculiarities which differ from those of all other diseases. At the same time, any of the symptoms and much of the behavior of alcoholism <clears throat> are closely paralleled and even duplicated in other diseases. A slip is a relapse. It is a relapse that occurs after the alcoholic has stopped drinking and started on the AA program of recovery. Slips usually occur in the early states of the alcoholic's AA indoctrination before he has had time to learn enough about the AA techniques and the AA philosophy to give him a solid footing. But slips may occur after an alcoholic has been a member of AA for many months, or even several years, and it is this kind, above all, that often finds a marked similarity between the alcoholic's behavior and that of normal victims of other diseases. No one is startled by the fact that relapses are not uncommon among arrested tubercular patients. But here is a startling fact. The cause is often the same as the cause which leads to slips for the alcoholic. It happens this way. When a tubercular patient recovers sufficiently to be released from the sanitarium, the doctor gives him careful instructions for the way he is to live when he gets home. He must drink plenty of milk, he must refrain from smoking. He must obey other stringent rules. For the first several months, perhaps for several years, the patient follows directions. But as his strength increases and he feels fully recovered, he becomes slack. There may be, there may come the night when he decides he can stay up until 10 o'clock. When he does this, nothing untoward happens. Soon he is disregarding the directions given to him when he left the sanitarium. Eventually, he has a relapse. The same tragedy can be found in cardiac cases. After the heart attack, the patient is put on a strict rest schedule. Frightened, he naturally follows directions obediently for a long time. 
He too goes to bed early, avoids exercise such as walking upstairs, quits smoking, and leads a Spartan life. Eventually, though, there comes a day after he's been feeling good for several months or several years where he feels he has regained his strength and he has also recovered from his fright. The elevator is out of repair one day. He walks up three flights of stairs. He decides to go to a party or just a little smoking or take a cocktail or two. No serious after effects follow. The first departure from the rigorous schedule prescribed. He may try it again until he suffers a relapse. In both cardiac and tubercular cases, the acts which led to the relapses were preceded by wrong thinking. The patient in each case rationalized himself out of a sense of his own perilous reality. He deliberately turned away from his knowledge of the fact that he had been a victim of a serious disease. He grew overconfident. He decided he didn't have to follow directions. Now, this is precisely what happens with the alcoholic, the arrested alcoholic, or the alcoholic in AA who has a slip. Obviously, he decides to take a drink again, Sometime before he actually takes it, he started thinking wrong before he actually embarks on the course that leads to the slip. There is no reason to charge the slip to alcoholic behavior or a second heart attack to cardiac behavior. In other words, somebody who has a heart attack and then stops following directions, you wouldn't call that cardiac behavior. The alcoholic slip is not a symptom of a psychotic condition. There's nothing screwy about it at all. The patient simply didn't follow directions. For the alcoholic, AA offers the directions, a vital factor or ingredient of the preventative, especially for the alcoholic, is sustained emotion. The alcoholic who learns some of the techniques or the mechanics of AA but misses the philosophy or the spirit may get tired of following directions. Not because he's alcoholic, but because he's human. Rules and regulations irk almost anyone because they are restraining, prohibitive, and negative. The philosophy of AA, however, is positive and provides ample sustained emotion, a sustained desire to follow directions voluntarily. In any event, the psychology of the alcoholic is not as different as people try and make it. The disease has certain physical differences, yes, and the alcoholic has problems peculiar to him, perhaps, in that he has been put on the defensive and consequently has developed frustrations. But in many instances, there is no more reason to be talking about the alcoholic mind than there is to try to describe something called the cardiac mind or the TB mind. I think we'll help the alcoholic more if we can first recognize that it's primarily a human being afflicted with human nature. What do you think about that? What I was saying right before I read that is there's things in the big book that are really spun around, taken out of context, like insanity is a inability to think straight. And yeah, it says that. But if you read that whole section, they're talking about 
a very specific context in which the alcoholic is unable to think clearly. And it has to do with drinking. It has to do with the first drink. They're not talking about character defects. Read it. Read it. When they talk about the, the problem of the alcoholic centering in the mind, they're talking about the fact that it doesn't center in the allergy. It centers in the insanity of the first drink. They're talking about drinking. They're not talking about our character defects. Read it. And I'm asking you to read it because this is central to why I woke up today in a beautiful headspace. This is central to why I woke up yesterday in a beautiful headspace. And the day before that. And the day before that. Because I have learned that my, neighbor, my, my brain, I can trust. What I can't trust is selfishness, self-centeredness, bad motives, self-seeking, dishonesty, fear, self. The attributes of human beings. I get to work on those, improve on those. They never go away. Not entirely. But sometimes they change so much that they're unrecognizable. I mean, I used to wake up afraid every day. I used to wake up. I used to wake up battling my thoughts and I continued to battle them because I didn't think there was anything I could do about them because I thought they were alcoholic thinking. And if I'm once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, I'm going to be stuck with this thinking for the rest of my life. I better call someone to talk to them about it. Etc. Etc. So I don't know what you think about this, but doctor's opinion, even in the book, says there's types entirely normal in every respect except in the effect liquor has upon them. He even goes to f so far as to say often we are well-balanced, sensible. And it also describes us as I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot, but it's all... It was all tangled up for me, and it's, I think, really common. More common than not. It's the norm, actually. It's the norm. I've gone to a lot of Zoom meetings, and people are talking about waking up with their disease, barking their... their they don't want to do their steps because they're alcoholic. Well, again... I'm not. This is what I am saying. I'm saying Dr. Silkworth doesn't agree with you. And I'm saying that my experience completely changed when I adopted a different belief about that. When I. Uh. 
when all that was laid out for me. I've talked about it on the show many times. But, um, yeah. I know so many people who just feel like shit about being in person. You know, I talk to them every day. Talk to these young kids who are just, you know, they think that, you know, their character defects is, is, every human being tries to play God. I mean, do you know that? Do you know that? That's not alcoholic. Every human being wants to play God. I don't know if that's a defect of character or that's just describing the human condition. I don't know. But I do know that when I had all this really separated, it helped me tremendously. If I'm serious about my desire to have God remove my character defects, he will. But I've got to be pretty clear on what I'm asking and what I'm aiming for and what I'm focusing on. It's all much simpler than I made it for years. I shared about it. I used to be late for work, and that was my alcoholism. And maybe you think that sounds crazy, but that's extremely common belief in AA, despite the fact that Dr. Silkworth disagrees. <laughs> that book study I went through years ago, we only studied the first 164 pages. We didn't study the back of the book. We didn't study the 12 and 12. But the back of the book, the 12 and 12, did not start this enormous movement. The first 164 pages did. And those pages make it pretty clear if they're untangled looked at in their proper context that if you were lazy today you're just lazy maybe you're thinking well it says we're sensitive people it does say that it does say we're sensitive people it's also talking to a newly sober alcoholic. Also calls that a handicap. Also says that we have to outgrow that. We're not stuck with it. So if you're sober for years, clinging on to that, I get it. That was what I did. And that's why I never woke up the way I woke up today. Which is happy, joyous, and free. Yeah. Slips and Human Nature, 1947. Dr. Silkworth. Check it out. Read it. Discuss it. What normally happens when I share that, and I've shared that with people for 25 years, and normally they just say, that's really cute. But it goes against everything I've been told, so... Fuck off, dude. They crumble it up. Honestly, that's the vibe I've gotten from it. 99.9% of the time that I've shared that. So if that's your reaction, believe me, you're not alone. It's not surprising. <laughs> I get it. I get it. 
just trying to be helpful here. Maybe one person is hearing this and saying, holy shit, maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe. Sometimes a lot of people are wrong. It happens. Maybe just Dr. Silkworth's wrong. I don't know. I put in the file labeled, I don't know. But I'm loving the experience I'm having. And I'm going to go to Taco Bell today. And uh, I'm going to do it upright today. I really am. I'm not going to mess around today. I'm going to get a burrito and a taco. Who's going to stop me? Nobody. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And uh, I am going to go try to live a life that was worth saving. And I hope you'll do the same.